You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Jets podcast for Wednesday, September 22nd, 2021. I'm your host, John B. from gangreennation.com. The Locked On NFL Draft podcast has relaunched. Eric Crocker brings the player scouting. Ryan Tracy brings the analytics. Follow the Locked On NFL Draft podcast on YouTube, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you enjoy this show, Locked On Jets, you can subscribe where podcasts are found. This is a daily podcast covering the New York Jets. New episodes each day, Monday through Friday. And while you're at it, give this show a five-star review. That helps us out quite a bit. On today's show, we have our weekly mailbag. We got so many questions this week, way more questions than there is time to answer all of them. But I do want to say before I begin, I do appreciate all of the questions that you have sent in. And if I cannot get to your question this week, please always feel free to resubmit it for a future mailbag show. Let's begin. Our first question comes from Vincent. As we live through another Becton injury and now the Denzel Mims saga, which looks like it's heading toward an eventual departure from the team, when does Joe Douglas receive some blame? His first draft class is an absolute disaster with Becton constantly hurt and Tristan Wirfs dramatically outplaying him when on the field. Mims is not playing over undrafted free agents and most likely will be gone at some point. Ashton Davis, who last year was bad, has received no talk so far in training camp. Zaniga cannot even get on the field. James Morgan was a wasted pick, and Cameron Clark is absent as well. The draft seems like a complete dud. Joe Douglas is praised for his evaluation skills, and his team-building strategy thus far is centered on the draft, but he has not really shown any ability whatsoever to draft well. At what point do fans and media stop drooling over Joe Douglas and begin taking a critical look at his performance in the draft? Well, you can take a critical look right now. Joe Douglas is not above criticism. And you're right, his first draft class right now is not looking very good. And some of it's not his fault. I mean, I don't know how much you can blame Joe Douglas for players getting hurt. But Jets are not getting much contribution out of their 2020 draft class. And year two is where I really look for guys to begin stepping up. Now, you do have one guy who's playing pretty well and that was the fifth round pick Bryce Hall but listen Joe Douglas is not above criticism this this is no longer Mike McCagnin's team the first two years Douglas was kind of limited this is the first year he was able to build his team and that goes back to the 2020 draft which was the first draft that he ran last year it's kind of tough very difficult to ask a lot out of rookies year two is where I look to really begin evaluating a draft class and it's an ongoing process my only thing is I don't like it when people jump to the jump to conclusions based on minimal evidence. This is only one draft class, and the entire story is not written on this draft class. If Becton and Davis come back this season and play effectively, you begin to view the 2020 draft class differently. It's, this is an ongoing story, but you can look at this right now and say, you know, this 2020 draft class from Joe Douglas, not looking so great. 
there's time for it to recover. There's time for Joe Douglas to recover. There are going to be more draft classes. My, my only my thing is that I think you need to give a general manager like four to five years before you really know whether or not he's good. But you can absolutely criticize Joe Douglas for some of the moves that he's made. You can absolutely look at it as his first draft class and say, you know what, this is a little troubling. Does it mean that he's necessarily going to fail as Jets general manager? It just means that we can get past the point where everybody has to act like everything Joe Douglas does is brilliant. Everything he does is not brilliant. And we will find out over the next few years whether he's the right general manager for this team. So I have no problem with it. You want to say Joe Douglas deserves some criticism right now? Please, by all means, give him that criticism. I actually prefer that. I dislike it when we're early in somebody's tenure and it's like you can't criticize them at all. That happens with general managers. It happens with coaches. It happens with quarterbacks. It's okay to criticize somebody. Just criti- criticizing somebody does not necessarily should not necessarily mean that you're saying they need to go. It just means that you can criticize them. Our next question. Every time we see a rookie quarterback throw a bunch of interceptions, we hear about Peyton Manning throwing 28 interceptions his rookie year. I was fairly young that year and don't remember it. What traits did he show that kept people positively dreaming? And what can we look for these traits in Zach Wilson this year? Well, here's the thing about Peyton Manning is that he did set an NFL record for interceptions as a rookie, and that was an NFL single-season record. And there were absolutely games where he looked brutal. But the thing people tend to not mention is that he rewrote the rookie record books that year. He set a lot of rookie records that were very positive. So by the end of his first season in the NFL, even though he was throwing too many interceptions, people had a pretty good idea that Peyton Manning was going to be a great quarterback. So this is not exactly the example you look to if you want to excuse a rookie quarterback struggling beyond one game. You know, I mentioned it the other day. There were individual games where Peyton Manning looked horrendous, and that was not the end of his career. But if you're talking about his full rookie season, it was really a success story. I mean, he looked like he was on his way to greatness after that year. If he took away the interceptions, which I know you, I know, I know the interceptions mattered, but he also was setting a lot of other rookie records that season. So He's not a great example. I mean, there are better examples. I mean, Peyton's brother might be a better example of a rookie quarterback who struggled and went on to have a successful career guy who was kind of a late bloomer. And I don't want to say that Zach Wilson's necessarily going to be a late bloomer at this point because what we saw on Sunday was just one game, and you certainly hope that he bounces back from it. Our next question from Jim. What's your evaluation of Adrian Colbert? The Jets have used his two-week practice squad playing exemption. Well, week two, I don't think was a great game for Colbert. I mean, there he was part of a couple of breakdowns. Now, on that long touchdown run the Jets gave up where they had seven missed tackles, he was the guy, I thought, who had the most egregious missed tackle. He had a shot in the open field, and he just whiffed on the tackle. And that was, I think, the one missed tackle that kind of turned that into a touchdown. Um in coverage, he was beaten on a third down by Hunter Henry in co- playing man-to-man. There was also a flea flicker play where he kind of got... Now, the entire defense got lost, but it looked like it, his assignment was the guy who was open, and that's the reason the flea flicker turned into a completion. And I got to give... Uh, by the way, on that flea flicker play, you may remember it from the first half where Mac Jones kind of checked down. The reason he had to check down was Brandon Eccles did not bite. Brandon Eccles had the deep receiver on that play, and he stuck with him. He was not fooled at all. So I want to give credit to Brandon Eccles. Um, 
But Adrian Colbert, I didn't think he was that great. Now, listen, I mean, the Jets' defense did generally do a pretty good job of limiting the big play, so I, I guess you can't really get on a safety that much, especially a guy who's really a backup who shouldn't be playing that much, but I did not think he was that impressive. I, I think that there were some hiccups in there and things you might just have to deal with until Ashton Davis gets back, and hopefully when Ashton Davis gets back, he plays a little bit better than Colbert. You might not want to bet on Adrian Colbert this season, but if you want to bet on football, BetOnline is still your number one spot. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. And don't forget to use promo code NFL100. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. I hope you enjoy our weekly mailbag shows. Hopefully you're enjoying a nice snack while you're listening, and hopefully it's a snack that's also a protein bar, because Built Bar has the best tasting protein bar on the market. There are nine delicious flavors, so there is something for everybody. And if you haven't tried all the flavors yet, you can get a mixed box where you get two each of the nine flavors. And not only does Built Bar have the best tasting flavors, Built Bar is healthy too. So go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15. If you do that, you'll get 15% off your first order. Again, it's promo code LOCKED15, one word with no space, L-O-C-K-E-D, number one, number five, for 15% off at Built Bar, B-U-I-L-T. BAR.com. This is the Locked On Jets podcast on this Mailbag Wednesday. Our next question Was the LaFleur game plan basically good last week? Does Zach need the Sanchez wristbands? And how likely is Zach to learn when to dink and dunk and when to hit the home run? All right, so let's begin with the LaFleur game plan. I thought it was good. And the criticism Mike LaFleur is getting just reminds me that I would never want to be an offensive coordinator in the NFL because no matter what you do, if the team succeeds, everybody gives credit to the quarterback. And if there's failure, you somehow get blamed no matter what happens. It doesn't matter what you did. People will say, even if the quarterback does a terrible job, people will say, well, the offensive coordinator should have helped him out more. I don't know what more Mike LaFleur could have done for Zach Wilson. They leaned heavily into the run game. They ran it over 60% of the time, even though they were behind most of the game. On two of the four interceptions, there was an open guy who was schemed open by the play play call and the play design. I mean, Mike LaFleur can't throw it for Zach Wilson. At some point, it's just Zach Wilson's fault, and that point was what we saw on Sunday. There's nothing. I don't think there's anything more Mike Lafleur could have done. I honestly think if people, are, I honestly think people are blaming him just because they don't want to give Zach Wilson 100% of the blame. Because there's, I don't see anything tangible you could, you could complain about that Mike Lafleur game plan. On, we'll see how good Mike Lafleur is going forward. I had no issues with the game he called. Your quarterback plays like that. There's nothing you can do as a coach. Again, I I can't come up with any other explanation other than people just don't want to pile on Zach Wilson. Mike LaFleur, in my view, did very little wrong in that game. Now, the second part of that is, does Zach Wilson need the Sanchez wristbands, and how likely is it he'll learn to dink and dunk opposed to trying to hit the home run? And So if you're a new Jets fan, you may not remember the Mark Sanchez era where Sanchez was very mistake-prone, so the Jets essentially 
tried to simplify the game by coming up with situations where they tried essentially in the play call they they gave you a, the situation whether or not it was a time to take a risk it was kind of ridiculous I mean you got to know how to play quarterback in this league so essentially there was there were situations where Sanchez needed to be very careful with the ball situations where there was moderation allowed and the situations where he should be really aggressive and you cannot dictate decision making from the bench it just doesn't work it makes no sense the quarterback needs to be able to make decisions and I would be very, very hesitant to do something like that with Zach Wilson because the thing with Wilson is you don't want to take away all of his aggressiveness. The reason he was drafted so high was that he's got playmaking ability. You want him to be aggressive. He just needs to learn when to channel it, and that means not throwing it to covered receivers. I don't Listen, there's always going to be this balance between being aggressive and playing it safe. You don't want a guy who checks it down on every single passing attempt. Your your offense is never going to move the ball. You also don't want a guy who throws the ball too frequently into traffic. You don't want too many high-danger passes. You want somebody who strikes the right balance. And listen, with a quarterback like Zach Wilson as a rookie, I fully acknowledge there are definitely going to be moments where the balance probably skews towards being a little bit too aggressive, where he should really kind of try and bring things back where you should try and moderate it just cannot be the ratio we saw on Sunday where he's throwing everything into into danger he's got to he's got to scale it back somehow and that's on Wilson I mean there's only so much the coaching staff can do Wilson just needs to learn you can't throw the ball to heavily covered receivers you know and the and I I don't want him checking down on every play I just don't want him being that aggressive I'll live with interceptions especially as a rookie to a point if the offense is moving, if the Jets are being productive, and if Wilson genuinely learns from his mistakes and learns when he needs to scale things back. But that's the kind of thing I think on some level only Zach Wilson can do. I'm not sure the coaching staff can really do it. Our next question, what is the biggest positive surprise and the biggest disappointment through two games? You know, I'm going to have to go with the cliches here. I think the biggest positive surprise is the group of corners the Jets are playing. Both that they're playing pretty well but also that they have not been exposed and I think the plan is kind of coming into focus and I'm beginning to understand why the Jets addressed the corner position or I guess maybe it's better to say they did not address the corner position in the offseason it seems like this scheme that Robert Sala is putting in is not very corner dependent and the assignments they're given are the types of plays almost anybody should be able to execute. Now that leaves other vulnerabilities in the defense that other guys need to step up to cover for. But it's not just that the corners are playing well. It's that it it seems like the way it was approached is indicative of a larger plan for team building. So, uh, you know, I think that they've, I was, I'm kind of surprised how well they've held up thus far. And you know, there are bigger tests ahead, but I think that would be my biggest positive surprise. And then I guess I'd also have to go with the cliche negative, which is Denzel Mims. And look, I'm not going to lie. I was expecting Denzel Mims to be a player for this team this year. I was not expecting him to be a guy who sat on the bench. And I certainly was not expecting him to be a guy who sat on the bench in games where Keelan Cole and Jamison Crowder were inactive. So I don't know what's going on with Denzel Mims. Everybody wants to blame the coaching staff right now. My experience with situations like this has shown me that sometimes there's something else going on, and it may just be that the player's not as good as we think he is. I've seen that many times where you have this young player who cannot seem to get on the field and everybody gets upset about it, and then when the player gets his opportunity, 
you kind of see why the coaching staff kept him on the bench. So, I mean, I don't really know what's going on with Denzel Mims, but I will say I was expecting him to have an impact for the Jets this season, even if I wasn't expecting him to be Devontae Adams. But I was expecting him to have a role on this team. I was expecting him to be a productive player. And we're at a point where I'm struggling to understand why he's still on the roster. I mean, if the Jets aren't even going to put him on the field in games where your starting receivers are hurt, what's he doing here? Why wouldn't you just trade him and try and get something in return? For as much as the Jets are playing him, Denzel Mims could be watching these games at home on his TV, and he might as well open up a second screen to watch another game, maybe a third screen to check some of his fantasy players. Well, if you're like that... I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports movies and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. If you are a Jets fan, you may be familiar with head coach Robert Sala's mantra, all gas, no brakes. Well, when you're driving your car, you should definitely use brakes. But everybody who buys gas needs to know about Get Upside. My listeners are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free GetUpside app in the App Store or Google Play right now and use promo code TOUCHDOWN. You get a bonus $0.25 per gallon on your first fill-up. That's up to $0.50 cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash using GetUpside. Just download the app for free and use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get up to $0.50 per gallon cash back on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two to $300 a month in cash back, and there's no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card from Amazon and under other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get up to $0.50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. That's code TOUCHDOWN. This is the Locked on Jets podcast on this Mailbag Wednesday. Our next question comes from Joe. How do you think the rookies not named Zach Wilson are playing so far? So this is kind of the counter to the disappointment of the 2020 draft class. I think through two games, and it's only two games, but through two games, the 2021 draft class has looked really good. Elijah Vera Tucker, I think, is playing effectively. I think he had a very good game against New England. Now, there are a couple of moments where I saw some miscommunication, which... I think goes back to Vera Tucker missing so much time in preseason. It's just a chemistry thing. And also the fact that the Jets replaced the left tackle prior to this game because Becton got hurt. So George Fant had to move over. I think once they clean that stuff up, the communication, the chemistry stuff, this left side of the offensive line and after Becton gets back is going to be really impressive. But I think Vera Tucker's playing well. You know, Elijah Moore is not really filling up the stat sheet right now. And I was kind of disappointed based on all the hype that came in training camp in the preseason, but watching him on the film, I mean, he runs really crisp routes. If they get him the ball, he's going to put up big numbers because I was, I was actually, that's one of the things that surprised me rewatching this game against new England. I was kind of disappointed in Elijah Moore watching it live, but you see the quality of the routes he runs. They got to get him the ball more. 
you know, you look on the other side of the ball, Michael Carter II, I thought, played an outstanding game. That was another one I did not realize how well Michael Carter II played until I rewatched it uh, on, on the film. Eccles is playing well. Brandon Eccles, he's really holding up pretty solidly at corner. Now, we talked about how they're not giving him the most difficult assignments, but he's performing his job pretty well. The first Michael Carter had a big game on Sunday. I mean, there's a lot to like out of this rookie class through two games. Only two games. Now, they got to maintain it for much longer, but if you're disappointed in the 2020 draft class, I do think that there's some reason for optimism when it comes to the 2021 draft class. Our next question, why does Zach Wilson deserve to start? Isn't that just rewarding failure? Tough crowd, huh? Um, Well, is Zach Wilson the best quarterback on the team? I think the answer to that is pretty clearly yes. So, you know, if your objective is to win games, he should be the starting quarterback. I don't think that playing a lesser player, I don't think that putting a less talented player into the lineup is necessarily showing that you're a meritocracy. So, yeah, Zach Wilson should be the starting quarterback as long as he's the best option. Now, listen, if you want to wonder aloud why Zach Wilson is the best option, if you want to wonder aloud why there's no better alternative than Mike White, I'm right there with you. But Zach Wilson's the best quarterback on the team, so I think putting a lesser quarterback in there, that's what rewarding failure would be. This isn't a case where you're trying to punish Zach Wilson for making bad plays. You're trying to win games. You're trying to have the best players on the field. So I think absolutely Zach Wilson should be the starting quarterback for this football team. Our next question, why do do the Jets simply refuse to ever get a decent tight end? It's not the deepest position, but they don't even sign average ones or draft good ones. It doesn't matter the GM. They punt the position every year, and I can't figure out why. Show me a good team, and I guarantee they have a good tight end. I don't know that tight end is really that important in the NFL unless you have a Kelsey or a Kittle or a Waller or somebody like that. I think mo- I actually would argue most teams don't have a great tight end. My issue with the way the Jets have handled tight end, though, is that if it was going to be an important part of the offense, I don't understand why you went in with this crew with Croft and Griffin and Wesco. I mean, they put so much emphasis on the wide receiver position this offseason and so little on the tight end position that it's kind of confusing. That's that's an area where I see a bit of a disconnect in the, between the team building and the system that's being implemented. I talked a little bit earlier about how the corners make sense within the context of the system the Jets are running, that they're not really emphasizing corner play, so they went a little cheaper there. They decided to go with some inexperience, thinking they could coach them up. That makes sense. The offensive side of the ball, you kind of have the opposite situation where – they seem to be using these tight ends a lot. And if you were going to use your tight ends so much, why did you not go out and get something a little bit better than this? I mean, again, I don't I don't know the tight ends really that important of a position in the NFL unless you have one of the top guys, but certainly they could have done better than this. So I think that's an open question. That's something I got my eye on for the rest of the season. And our last question, John, if at the end of the season, Braxton Berrios has either the most receptions or the most receiving yards for the Jets, will you purchase a Berrios jersey and wear it every game day for the 2022 season, as Berrios is currently leading in both categories? If Braxton Berrios has either the most receptions or the most receiving yards for the Jets in 2021, maybe I'll wear my Berrios jersey as the Jets make the first pick in the NFL draft. Fire everybody if Braxton Berrios leads this team in receiving categories. Fire everybody. I don't care. 
Fire, fire top to bottom. Clean house. Braxton Berrios should not lead this team in any receiving category. And if he does, this team is in big trouble. I'm not buying a jersey for the worst team in the NFL because that's what the Jets are going to be if Braxton Berrios leads in receiving categories. Anyway, that's all for our show today. Thank you for listening. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, if you enjoy the show, subscribe to it and leave it a good review. Have a great Wednesday, and we will chat again tomorrow.